Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! Pastor Kelsey was right. Everybody looks so good in their purple. Now, 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 don't get out of the attitude of worship just because I, I say this next line. But I earlier, if you was in the room joking, I was joking, but part of my heart was kind of serious. I said, you know, since it's purple, there, there's one song we should have. We should have slipped into the to the set list. And Kelsey was like, no, y'all better not. I said, we could have changed it. You know, Jesus reigns, Jesus reigns. I said, we just need somebody to do the guitar solo. Oh, Holy Spirit. We, we, but we won't. We didn't. We didn't. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is everybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Looking at everything that's going on in the world, I am super glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing in us, what you're doing through us, Lord. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, God. Lord, I thank you for the seeds that you are sowing this morning in the hearts and minds of every individual in this room, in the hearts and minds of, of those that are serving in kids' church, Lord, in the hearts and minds of those that will listen to this, Lord, or on whatever platform. Lord, I thank you right now, Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. amen and amen. This morning, I want to talk about believing in Jesus. Amen. amen. Believing in Jesus. I mean, we're already there. Might as well just go and talk about but believing in Jesus. Somebody look at somebody near you and say, believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, if you have a Bible this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 20. I just realized I never gave the scriptures to good old Kels. But Dre, if you don't mind pulling them, pulling the scriptures up, it's going to be John chapter 20. We're going to be in verses 19 through 29. I don't know if you've noticed, but ever since Easter, we've kind of stayed in that, um, stayed in kind of that time frame or that timeline as far as post-resurrection, um, the different scriptures that we've been coming through or reading and, and exploring. I really like that. I don't think that's by accident. I fully believe that is by um, divine. Amen. Amen. I fully believe that God is directing us into a direction. And the, the, this is why we couldn't be God. You know, if, if you've ever been, a, if you're a parent or ever been a parent or have had to watch small children, when you, when you see that they're struggling, what na- our natural action is, we want to just we want to make it happen for it. We want to do it. We want to just push it. God, being a good father, doesn't do that to us. Right. I'll try, he, he is in the state of perfection. He knows what we need, when we need it, how we need it. And he knows what it's going to take to get us there. But we never see, we never see his nature be like, ah, you're almost there. Let me, just, let me just kick you in. Let me just kick you into the blessing. Ah, go and get in there. And stay there. Ha, ha. You know, like you're stuffing clothes into a drawer before a company comes over. Ha, come on. <laughs> we don't see him doing that. He's patient with us, and he is kind with us. Amen. Amen. And in John chapter 20, we're going to be in verses 19 through 29 in the Passion Translation. I was telling Andrea, sorry, I didn't get you the scriptures, but um, if you do have a Bible, you can read it. If not, we'll put it on the screen and stuff like that. But like I said, this morning we're talking about believing in Jesus. In verse 19, 
This is post Jesus' resurrection. That evening, the disciples gathered together, and because they were afraid of reprisals from uh, the, uh, the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors to the place where they met. But suddenly, Jesus appeared among them and said, Peace to you. <clears throat> then he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side. They were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. Uh, Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you, and he told them, just as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. Then taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins, and people's, and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain what? Guilty. Guilty. Let's keep going. One of the 12 wasn't present with Jesus uh, one of the 12 wasn't present when Jesus appeared to them. It was Thomas, whose nickname was the twin. So the disciples informed him, when we have seen the Lord with our own eyes, still unconvinced, Thomas replied, there's no way I'm going to believe this unless I personally see the wounds of the nails in his hands, touch them with my finger, and put my hand into the wound of his side where he was pierced. Then eight days later, somebody say eight. That's very significant. We'll talk about that in a minute. But eight days later, Thomas and all the others were in, their, were in the house together. And even though all the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them. Peace to you, he said. Then looking into Thomas's eyes, he said, put your finger here in the wounds of my hands. Here, put your, put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourself. Thomas, don't give into your doubts any longer. Just what's that word? believe watch this we got two more verses then the word spilled out of his heart you are my lord and you are my god jesus responded thomas now that you've seen me you believe but there are those who have never seen me with their eyes but have believed in me with their hearts and they will be blessed even more amen Amen. So obviously we're talking about the, 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 the account where, you know, Jesus appears to the disciples. And growing up, you've probably heard this, uh, you know, this, this story before. And a lot of times it was always painted as, man, Thomas is the bad disciple in this moment because he doesn't believe. He doesn't believe in Jesus. He refuses to believe in Jesus. Y'all know me, I love to come at things with different angles or different angles or, or really make you think. And, and, I, and I encourage you, buckle up this morning because I, I, I want you to think in order for us to see, uh, see the true nature of God. Amen? Amen. But looking at the story, honestly, Thomas isn't a bad disciple. Thomas isn't a bad disciple like we've all grown up to know him or, or even just reading this and, you know, Jesus comes and, you know, uh, Thomas wasn't in the room, but all the other disciples said it. So you know, how could Thomas not believe them? You know, does Thomas think they're, they're lying? No, it's not Thomas thinks that they're lying. Thomas is being human like all of us. You ever have those days where you, man, you just don't feel like putting on some praise music? You don't feel, you know, you ever have those, those blues days? You don't feel like listening to music. You don't feel like doing this. You don't feel like you just want to curl up. You don't want to talk to nobody. You don't see nobody. You don't, you don't want to have to smile. You pray when you go in Walmart. You don't run anybody. That way you can just go straight in, get the coffee creamer, go to the self-checkout because you don't want to have to. You know, honestly, I, I feel so bad for the, for the actual cashiers. I'm like, man, you know, nobody goes to the cashiers anymore. We all go to the self-checkout. Oh, I, you know, I just feel like it's, it's easier. It's quicker. But Thomas isn't, isn't, isn't a bad disciple. The assumption is that he's a bad disciple because he refused to believe that Jesus was alive. 
But see, he wasn't being combative on purpose. You got to think about it. Thomas, he, he witnessed, you know, according to the chosen, you know, he, when, when he witnessed Jesus for the first time, it was Jesus doing a miracle. I don't know how true that is. I, need, I meant to look it up. And, you know, I encourage you, that's part of your homework. You can look it up and see when did Thomas, look up in the scriptures and see when did Thomas, his first encounter with Jesus. But you got to think, Thomas, he, he witnessed water turn into wine. He, he witnessed a little girl coming back from life. He witnessed Jesus healing his own cousin. You can't tell me. You can't tell me that ain't some love right there. Jesus, you know, when they were kids, you, you, you know, Lazarus, I love you. I love you too, Jesus. And then, you know, you can't tell me that ain't love. Raising your own kinfolk from the dead. How, how, how well you love your cousins, man? I raise them from the dead. That's how well I love them. Beats every Christmas gift, every birthday gift. You ain't got to worry about none of that. 20 years later, you know, hey, man, you remember that time I raised you for your dad? Yeah, happy birthday. You know, like, <laughs> 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 but, but, you know, Thomas, he witnessed that. Oh, that was funny. I go, I like that. That was real funny. But he even witnessed, he witnessed Jesus feeding uh, 5,000 men and women and children with the, with the meal that was the size of a Lunchable. He witnessed Jesus walking upon water. He witnessed Jesus talking to a storm like we would talk to a baby. Hey, hush and be quiet. And the storm instantly obeyed it. He, he witnessed the miracles of Jesus. He, he witnessed all these different things. He witnessed him standing up to the Pharisees, and he witnessed him standing up to all the Sadducees and all the, all the religious leaders. He witnessed all these different things, but all that belief that Thomas had came crashing down the moment he witnessed Jesus dying, just like every other disciple. All that belief came crashing. It came to a head, and it crashed when he witnessed his Savior do something that they didn't think could ever be done, which was him die. And guess what? His heart was broken. So it wasn't like Thomas was just rejecting, believing that Jesus was alive. He had a broken heart. You ever had a broken heart before? You know, you know, you ever put your trust in somebody and, and that trust only for that trust to, to turn out to be a disappointment? Or have you ever had your peace or joy taken from you? A lot of times as humans, when, when, when our peace or joy is taken from us, a lot of times we, it may feel like we've been publicly exposed or we've been, we are publicly defenseless to anything and everything, to every ongoing attack, every, every oncoming attack. But as human beings, our first thought when we're, when we're in that position, our first thought is that, that we have to cover ourselves. We got to defend ourselves. We got to take up our own. We got to protect our own when we're in a defenseless position. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Kelsey actually pointed this out to me back when we, we, when we lived in Bristol. But uh, when, you know, we had, well, back when we had dogs, dogs, they, they, they hate it when you sneak up behind them, just like any human, but they hate it when, they, when you sneak up behind them. And for the most part, they're always aware, they're all, they, always have, they always have an awareness of what's going on 360 degrees around them. They are, they, they, and, and if the moment they forget, they'll turn and look. The only, the only time that they are left vulnerable is when they are eating. Why? Because, you know, and I was reminded of this yesterday when I was on my route and I got to, you know, one of my, uh, almost my last house and there's this playful dog. He, she loves to play with me and I'll, she's one of those you can throw something, fetch and all that. It's, it's, she's like a dog out in the movie. You know, you just throw it, fetch it, she go get it, she finally come back, big, you know, she's playful. And I saved my last treat for her. 
And when I threw it, you know, she went and got it and she's eating it. And I noticed that when she was eating it, I remembered, oh, wait, her back is exposed. And I remember, you know, when we had dogs, a lot of times when they would eat, their back was exposed. They couldn't see what was going on behind them. So they would trust the owner to make sure that, they're, that, they, were, that they were covered. And see, a lot of times as human beings, when we're exposed, we like to cover our own selves. Adam and Eve, they used fig leaves to try to cover themselves when they were exposed. We talked about it last week. Peter used fishing to try to cover himself when, he was, when his heart was exposed, when the state of his heart was exposed. Well, what is it that we like to use? Hypothetically, what, what is it that we like to use to cover ourselves when our heart is broken, when, when we've been disappointed, when people have, have, have broken promises, when, we, when we're experiencing grief or, or guilt or shame? Or, or, or pain or regret or anger or bitterness or trauma or drama or jealousy. What is it that we use to cover ourselves? Because in this moment, Thomas, Thomas is using cold, hard facts to cover himself. He's using cold, hard facts. He's using science and anatomy to hide his broken heart and loss of faith. That's what he's using to cover himself. Literally, he says, when, when you've been using or currently using all these different things, but ultimately he's using cold, hard facts and science and anatomy to cover himself. When he's like, I, I, my, my heart is broken. I can't believe that Jesus is really alive. So if he's really alive, then let me see it. See, let me, let me give you a point. Doubt. Everybody say doubt. Doubt always starts with a suggestive question. A suggestive question. Are you sure God's real? Are you sure you're on the right path? Are you, are you sure that you heard the right? Are you sure that these people are supposed to be your best friends? Are, are you sure that they really love you? Are you sure that your parents have your best interest in heart? Are you sure that your grandmother loves you? Are you sure that your job is looking out for you? Are you sure this is the right job? Are you sure this is the right person? Are you sure this is the right meal? Are you sure this is the right city? I mean, we could go on and on, but your doubts start with a suggestive question. Why, what, Lindsay, what do I mean by that? And listen to this. Doubt always starts with a suggestive question. Questioning your peace and suggesting a fear-inducing alternative. I like that. Amen. Your doubts, they suggest, they, they, they literally are robbing you of your peace and giving you a, a fear-inducing alternative. Suggesting that what you place your trust in is not enough. Instead, let me give you something else. And all that, that alternative, all it does is just provoke more fear provoke more doubts. It stirs up the doubts instead of squashing the doubts. Amen. It stirs it up instead of squashing it. Amen? Amen? And listen, to avoid heartbreak, again, it was easier for Thomas not to believe that Jesus was alive. Because he, he's covering himself. He, in, in order to believe, I, listen, I can't even go there. I, I, I don't even want to talk about it. You know, in fact, I, I don't even want to talk about it so much that if he really is real, then let me put my hands in his wounds and let me feel it, let me see them. You ever experienced so much heartbreak over an issue or a person that you're like, I, I don't even want to see them. I don't even want to hear them. I, I don't even want to hear the name. I don't even want to think about it. Amen. You know, there's some things in our past where we're like, well, I, 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 you know, it just triggers bad memories or it just triggers heartache or it just triggers regret or it triggers fear. And we're like, I, I don't even, I, at the mention of it, I don't even want to. So we, we build these walls. 
And Thomas has built a wall to the point he's like, hey, listen, if it, uh, this, wall, uh, this wall is so thick and so, so it's, it's full of concrete to the point that the only thing that's going to break this wall is if I touch his wounds and I see his wounds. And if, I can, if I can hold his hand, if I can look him straight in the eye. One of the translations, it literally says, Thomas says, if I can examine his wounds. You know what examine means? Examine means to inspect something. You know, you don't, you know, when you, when you're, uh, you know, when you're just, you know, examine is the, to, to barely kind of look to surface level, look at something that's not examining. You know, if you ever watch the CSI stuff, I don't really like the CSI, but there was one point in my life where I liked uh, or I NCIS and they had the, the, uh, the, the medical coroner, you know, whenever he would examine, you know, he have all these tools out, these big old glasses, all these different lenses and all these brushes and, and they're going and they're examining, trying to find the cause. They're digging and digging and digging and researching and researching. Literally, the scripture said that Thomas, if, if I can examine him, if I can take all that I have and see if he really is enough to heal this wounded heart. If I can examine the nails in his hands, touch them with my finger and put my hand into the wound of his side where he was pierced. But eight days later, somebody say eight days later. The scripture that we read, it said that eight days later, Jesus appeared to all the disciples plus Thomas. And I loved it because he said, hey, hey, Thomas. Say, I couldn't have been Jesus. Because Jesus waited eight days later, and I said there's a significant importance to that, and we'll talk about it. But if it was me, if I was Jesus, you know, because obviously Jesus heard it, because how did he know to come and say, hey, Thomas, look right here. But the moment, eight days before that, the moment Thomas would have been like, I, I won't believe unless I see his wounds, if, unless I put my finger aside, I would have, boop, boop, hey, slide up in there. I'm back. I'm back. Michael Jordan and Michael Jackson are going to say it, but you'll hear about them later. But right now, I'm back. Boom. Here you go. Boom. Feel it. Ba bing ba. Feel it. Ah, he hurt me. I'm joking. You got me. Ah, you got me. No, he didn't. Eight days later, we see that he shows himself in front of the disciples and Thomas. So the reason it's, it's not a coincidence that Jesus came back to Thomas eight days later. See, eight, the biblical meaning for eight, watch this, is new beginning. It's new order. It's, it's, it's man's true born-again state. It's new creation. So watch this. Tom, Thomas seeing Jesus eight days later unlock this awareness that he had been made new. Jesus, it wasn't just random that Jesus was like, oh, eight days later, we're going to show us. No, no, no. It was significant. Everything he did had a, had a significant importance to it. But by him showing up eight days later, unlocked an awareness in Thomas, not only is Jesus alive, but, oh, I, I've been made new. The, the, these walls that I built up, I, they, I, don't, I don't need these walls anymore. And guess what? Jesus was the only one that was able to move those immovable walls. Sound familiar? He was the only one that could break those unmovable, unbreakable walls. It, was, it wasn't the words of the disciples. Otherwise, Thomas never would have said, well, okay, I believe y'all. I believe your word. No, it had to be Jesus. It had to be see. Oh, I, I, this ain't in the notes. It had to be beholding Jesus. It took him looking upon the face of Jesus. And we've talked about this before, but you have to behold Jesus in order to become like Jesus. You want to become a better person? Well, behold a Jesus. Look upon Jesus. Look in the scriptures and say, okay, Lord, where are you at and where am I at? Lord, show me who I am. 
Show me the type of father you meant for me to be when you gave me these kids. Show me the type of husband that you meant for me to be. Lord, show me the type of spouse that you have that you have created for me and you're bringing along my path. Lord, show me what it takes. Lord, show me who I need to be. Show me the type of employee I need to be. Show me the type of grandson I need to be. Show me the type of cousin or nephew or family or friend. I mean, the list goes on and on. You behold Jesus, whatever you're seeking. Whatever you want to know, whatever you need to know, you seek Jesus. You look for it in Jesus. And listen, every wall that Thomas had around his heart, it was broken the moment that he saw Jesus. The moment that he saw him. So the fact that Thomas seeing Jesus, it unleashed an awareness within Thomas that he had been made, knew that he'd been given a second chance. Anybody in here ever been given a second chance before? Anybody ever been given a 15 chance or 47 chance or 400 chance? Anybody in here grateful for the second chances, the third chances, the fourth chances? Is anybody grateful that they've been made new this morning? Amen. The fact that we've been we've been made new, the fact that he came into the midst of our deepest and darkest dens when you were surrounded by lies, when you were surrounded by insecurity, surrounded by anxiety, surrounded by regret, surrounded by mistakes. Anyone glad this morning that Jesus came into the pit of your misery? We talked about it before, just like Daniel. He came into your pit and closed every mouth of every lie that's been said about you, closed every mouth of every disease that's been pro, uh, proclaimed over you, closed Close the mouth of every rumor. Close the mouth of every anxiety, every ounce of depression. He did that. And in the midst of this, we get to see Thomas coming out of his pit. Because a few scriptures before, we see that he is, he is so deep in the pit. He is so deep that he cannot believe the same people that were with him when they all seen Jesus do the miracles. He can't trust his brothers. That's how deep in this pit that he is in. But still at the end of the day, the moment that he sees Jesus, the moment that he beheld him, those walls begin to come down. Those walls begin to come down. Thomas being literally in the furnace of life, feeling like there's no way out. I and mean, we talked about it before, but that's why, that's why we, uh, the, uh, we added that to the end of that song. But he, he's the fourth man in your fire. Literally, I love that story, but I encourage you to go back, look into it at the beginning of Daniel. Literally, when the three Hebrew boys are placed into the furnace, what does what, what the scripture says? Literally, that one of the guards goes, goes over and says, uh, uh, yeah, the way I think of it is in the VeggieTales story. Uh, uh, boss, boss, I thought you said there was three guys, you know. And he's like, the king's like, there is three. No, there's, there's a fourth one. And then the fourth one, the scripture says, looks like a God. Looks like a God. And guess what? He, that's just not a miracle for the three Hebrew boys. That's our testimony. Amen. That in the furnace of life, in every fire that we find ourselves in, we are not alone. Amen? Amen. Look at somebody say, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And see, the story gets better because in the furnaces of your life, you know how I know you've been in the furnace of life? You know how you know you've been in the furnace of life? You don't smell like smoke. See, the scripture says that when they came out, not only did they survive, but they didn't even smell. So they didn't smell like smoke, which means they did not look like they, they had been in their past circumstances. Look at somebody say, you don't smell like smoke. Don't smell like I love it because in the furnace of life, you should be smelling like smoke. 
Through all the things that you've been through, you should be smelling like smoke. Through all the hell that you've been through, you should be smelling like smoke. Through all the gossip and rumors that have been said about you, you should be smelling like smoke. Through all the heartache and all the anxiety and all the depression, all the sickness and disease, all the people that have come and gone, all the people that talk about you, all the people that lift you up and push you down, you should be smelling like smoke. Somebody say, you should be smelling like smoke. But God, God is the one that keeps you in perfect peace. The, David, David said that you are the God that keeps me in perfect peace. Watch this. If I keep my mind stayed upon you. So, so perfect peace is what we all want. Amen. I, I, Lord, I just need perfect peace in my family. I just need perfect peace in my finances. Okay. Well, guess what? We get, to, we get to do what Thomas did, which is gaze upon Jesus. Look upon Jesus. You want perfect peace? Look upon Jesus. Now, Lindsay, what do you mean look upon? I literally mean turn the TV off. I mean telling whoever you surround yourself with all the time, say, hey, you're going to have to give me five minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour to myself. And you get alone and say, okay, God. And, and you get honest. Pastor Kelsey said it earlier, but you get uh, humble, open, and transparent with the Lord. Don't, don't listen. I heard a minister say, God cannot heal what you don't choose to reveal. God will not heal what you choose to not reveal. You can't go to God like, hey, hey, Lord, you know, I got this thing right here. With, you got all this. When you, you can't go to God with the corner of the front yard when the backyard is growing up with weeds. <laughs> God wants all of it. He wants all the property. He's the best property brother before the property brother. He wants all of it. And guess what? The type of renovation that he'll do in your life, mm. the, type of, the type of renovations that he wants to do in your life. Now, most people will think that this is, a, this is a monetary thing. This is a physical thing. This is, you know, multiple cars in the drive. No, the type of renovation that he wants to do right here. Because none of that happens unless this is truly right. Yes. Lindsay, how do you know that? Because we see time and time again celebrities who have all that, but what they don't have is perfect peace. That's right. That's right. One, of my, one of my favorite football players growing up in school, you know, he's long retired, but, you know, the reason he was retired because he got pushed out because he spent his money. He lived crazy. And he's one of the poster childs for, like, don't do this, don't do that. And, you know, now when you see, it was, it, I remember in high school watching an interview of him, he was super braggadocious. Super, super, uh, you know, I, I can't even think of it, but, I mean, like, just all the, like, the, even the, the, the clothes that he was wearing and the jewelry that he was wearing in this interview, there was no need for it. And it's so funny because 17 years later, yeah, it's been 17, 17 years later, you see him in an interview on YouTube, probably look like me. <laughs> You know, like, hey, I, I got that shirt. I got that at Walmart. I'm like, oh, snap. He shopped at Walmart, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hmm. Huh. So, so, so you mean to tell me that the, tr the, true, the trueness of life that we truly seek and want, is, it's not in materials. Right. It's not in the monetary value, but it's in Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's in Jesus. I love this because Jesus told Thomas, I'm glad you believed in me. 
But watch this. I'm glad you believed in me, but let me raise the states. Because really, we said Thomas raised the states earlier when Thomas told his, his brothers, oh, you, y'all say he's alive, but I, you know, I don't believe he's alive. And better yet, I'm going to raise the states. If he really is alive, then I, I want to I see his wounds. I want to see, the, the, see where they pierced him. Inside. I don't want to put my hand in it. I want to examine it. So Jesus being Jesus, eight days later, which is the sign of new creation, the sign of newness of life, the sign of true born-again state, literally Jesus come presents himself to him, and then he raises the states for Thomas. And he says, I'm glad you believe in me again, but let me raise the states. Blessed are those who can believe me even without seeing me. If you, never, if you never thought you were in the scriptures, you're in that scripture right there. Because Jesus says, hey, I'm so glad you're believing me. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you believe in me, Thomas. But there's coming a day that there will be people that have never seen me and will believe with me in their hearts. And he, he didn't just say that they'll believe in him, but they will be blessed. Oh, you're blessed. Look at somebody beside you say, you're blessed. You're blessed. If you believe in Jesus and you've never seen him, guess what? You're blessed. If you believe in him in your heart and you've never seen him, guess what? You're blessed. If you can walk by faith and not by sight, then guess what? You are blessed. If you can keep your eyes stayed upon him no matter what's going on to the left, no matter what's going on to the right, you are blessed. If you can keep your firm faith in him no matter who says what, 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 you are blessed. Listen, if you don't get anything today, that scripture is you right there. Jesus is literally calling you out. He's saying that there will be people. And he's talking to a room full of people that, that had already seen him. So really, was he talking to us? Yes. Was Jesus being fully God, peering into the space-time continuum and saying, hey, to all those that will be in the future that have never seen me, to all those that will have to go through ups and downs, that all those that will have to deal with sickness and disease and vaccines or no vaccines, shootings or no shootings, betrayal or no betrayal, death or life, hey, if you can keep your eyes stayed upon me, you are blessed. Blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm almost done. I am almost done, but I'm not done. You know, I, you know years, I guess it was a year ago, two years ago, when, when the song came out that we sang, Believed For It. I'll be honest, I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. You know, mom, she loved it, played it on repeat. The boys could sing it because they heard Nana sing it so much. I was like, oh, my God, believe for it, believe for it, believe for it. And we would sing it. We would sing it once a month. And then eventually, you know, it's like, okay, we're just going to kind of dip out of it. And then, you know, Purple Sunday, we're like, yeah, okay, let's, let's ring it. You know, might as well, since we can't do what, you know, the one I wanted to try to convert into a Christian song, we can do that. But still, as, as I'm listening to the lyrics, as I'm studying, I'm like, believe for it, believe for it, believe for it, believe for it. Ultimately, to believe into something is to, is to truly put your hope in something, regardless if you have all the facts, regardless if you have the assurance if it's going to happen or not. That's what faith is. Having this firm persuasion on someone or something that you cannot see, that you cannot feel, but you know in the shadow, in the, in the, in the fullest, in the deepest, darkest corner of your mind that you know that who you are holding on to has you. It will not let you go. That's what faith looks like. And that's the type of life you are called to live that no matter when you go to work, 
regardless of whether it's a Monday, you know, we always say Mondays are probably the worst days or Tuesday, whatever. Regardless if it's the worst day or best day, your firm persuasion of God is still firm. Amen. The grip that, because that's all faith is. All faith is literally when you go to shake somebody's hand, you grip it. That firmness, that firm grip, that's what faith is in the original context. That firm persuasion that you have in God. Can, can you have that firm persuasion even when the kids are being the kids? Can you have that firm persuasion when people are talking about you? Can you have that firm persuasion when you are by yourself? Can you have that firm persuasion when the bills are due and you don't have any money for it? Can you, can you still have that firm persuasion when everybody's against you or everybody's cheering you? Can, how, what, what does the grip look like for you? The grip that you have on God, what does it look like? Jesus described the ministry as putting your hands to the plow. So, he, so therefore, he knows all about the type of grip that we need to have. Amen. Amen. He knows all about the type of grip that we need to have. I love it because Jesus said, blessed are those who, who, have, who believe in me even though they've never seen me. Church, blessed are those who can believe in Jesus to move the unmovable even when you can't see him. Blessed are those who, who believe Jesus to break the unbreakable even when they can't feel him. We saying it earlier, but blessed are those that believe that if Jesus said it, then we can believe it. Amen. You know, I remember when that song came out, Man in Your Word. I remember when it came out. Oh, man, I loved it. I remember where we was at. The, you know, one of uh, my coworkers, she was like, yeah, yeah, I just, you know, I was like, we need to sing that. She's like, God, I don't want to sing it because, you know, it's very literal. It says that God's a man. And we know that the Bible says God's not the man, you know. I'm like, oh. And I remember thinking, like, Lord, how can, you know, how, how can I feel this truth and nobody else feel this truth? You know, you know, if you think about the song, literally says that he's, you know, that you're a man of your word. Not, not, we're not saying that God is a man. But when we were saying that earlier, we're literally saying that, you know, yeah, if you ever been around somebody, you know, I remember growing up, whenever we would, when at school, whenever we would proclaim something or declare something, you know, the next, the next phrase would be, you know, if we're like, you know, I could run as fast as, you know, we, you know, the flash. Somebody like, put it on something. You know, we'd be like, I put it on my lunch, you know. And, you know, okay, you know, and, and what that meant was, like, if you were wrong, then your lunch, you know, then your lunch goes to that person. But by you putting it on your lunch, that meant that, you know, out of everything in your life, the lunch is the most concrete thing. You know, and, and growing, up as a, growing up, you're like, ah, you know. You know I remember, you know, we were like, you know, the, the one rule was you couldn't put on your mama. You know, forget dad. You know, it didn't matter if you put on dad. The number rule, you couldn't put on your mama. I put on mama. You can't do that. You can't put on your mama. What if something happened? You know, so we would never say that. You know, you could put it on the tree. You, you could put it on dad. You could put it on, you know, I, I, last time, what I remember, nobody ever said, you know, if we say, I put it on my daddy. You know, nobody threw that rule out. You can't put on dad. It was always, I put on mama. You can't do that. So we move on. But whatever you was putting it on, in your mind, what you were telling everybody is, this is the most concrete thing I have. And Jesus is the most concrete. Well, how are we supposed to live his life? Put your life upon Christ. The cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, the anchor of our faith, the author and finisher. Well, how am I supposed to parent my kids? Put it on Jesus. How am I supposed to work this job that I don't feel like or I feel like I'm more than this job? How am I supposed to get up every day and go to this? Put it on Jesus. 
Lord, how am I supposed to wait as I'm waiting, you know, for the right one to come out? Put it on Jesus. How am I supposed to wait or, or wade through the diagnosis that the doctor gave me? Put it on Jesus. How am I supposed to live this life when, when I look on the news, when I turn on the news, whether it's TV or TikTok and there's, the world is going crazy? How am I? Put it on Jesus. Jesus said that if you can believe in me, you are blessed. The devil loves to make you feel like we're not blessed. Well, Lindsay, I don't have multiple cars in the driveway. That's not the definition of blessed. Well, Lindsay, I may be renting a house. That's not the definition of blessed. Lindsay, last time I checked, is your heart beating? Last time I checked, do you have oxygen in your body? Better yet, last time I checked, are you the beloved of God? Are you a son or daughter of God? Then guess what? Jesus says that is the definition of blessed. The fact that the one that can send your soul to heaven or hell knows your name. That is the definition of being blessed. The fact that the God, the creator of the cosmos, he, he holds you in the palm of his hand and he finds delight in you. He enjoys your company. Your existence brings him pleasure. I don't care what your past looks like. Your existence brings God. The fact that you are sitting in this room breathing and coherent and aware is bringing him pleasure. But watch this. When you get in your car, your existence is still bringing him pleasure. When you're pumping gas into your vehicle, the fact that you're doing that brings him pleasure. When you are walking through the grocery store just trying to get some random thing, your existence brings him pleasure. If you believe in him, even if you've never seen him, Jesus says that you're blessed. Amen? Amen. Listen, you don't need to see or feel Jesus in order to trust him. I'm going to say this, church. You don't need to see or feel Jesus in order to trust him. I'm going to prove it to you. You ready? See, see, uh, because I'm a basketball nerd. But see, because of Steph Curry's body of work, he is perceived to be the greatest three-point shooter of all time. And it's not perceived. It's a known fact. But watch this. It's because of his body of work. It's because of what all he has accumulated over his career. Let me me tell you how good Jesus is by reminding you of his body of work. See, Jesus is the master of the cosmos. Oh, my Lord, I love this. Jesus is the master of the cosmos. See, Jesus, he can sit in heaven and prop his feet up on the earth. He can spin the earth on his finger like a, like a globetrotter. You get it? Spin the earth, finger, globetrotter, double entendre. He can, he can move the winds and waves while commanding a storm to hush like a baby. See, he can command a fig tree to die while at the same time the green grass keeps growing all around. Green grass keeps growing all around. So we saw that as a kid, but that came from Jesus. He, he's that good that he can command a fig tree to die while everything around it is still growing and still producing life and still producing fruit. He's that good. He, he, he literally, can, he literally can, he can part the seas into two divisions while still keeping the sea creatures alive and floating while the waves are up in the air. No, we never see in the scriptures that any of the animals lost life when that happened. No, literally, he parts the seas into two divisions, and literally no, no animal is unharmed. While the seas are split, the ground in between it is dry. Not, not moist. Not, 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 not the water barely left to here and they waded through. No, it is fully, somebody say fully, fully, fully dry. 
They literally walked on fully dry ground. He is the very source that holds the molecules within the church pew that you are sitting in. He holds those pews together while at the same time, farther than from a sunrise to a sunset, he separates you from your sin. Farther from a sunrise to a sunset, he separates you from guilt and shame and anxiety and depression and all the different insecurities and all the different truths of the lies of the enemy. He separates all that while holding all things together. That's how good he is. And with his body, with that type of body of work, that's just, that's just a, penny, a penny worth or a penny size of his body of work. But with all that said, you can trust in Jesus. You can put your trust in him. There's no better way. Church, there's no better truth. There's no better source of life than Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me close with this. Here's your warning. Let me give you a warning. As, as much as I've loved talking about this, as much as I can, we can go all day talking about the body of work of Jesus, but here's your warning. Literally, it was the physical that convinced Thomas that Jesus was Jesus. It was the physical realm that convinced Thomas that Jesus was dead and could not come back to life. And then it was the physical realm that convinced Jesus or convinced Thomas that Jesus was alive again. So watch this. So Thomas's belief in Jesus was conditional. His belief in Jesus was conditional. And Jesus, as much as he loved, as much as he loved Thomas coming back to the faith, in the end he warned him and he gave that warning to us. He said, blessed are those that can, that can, that can believe in me even if they've never seen me. Blessed are those that don't have a conditional faith. Blessed are those that are still trusting in Jesus even if their bank account never reaches a million dollars or $10,000 or $1,000. Blessed are those that can believe in Jesus even if they remain single for the rest of their lives. Ooh, nobody likes to talk about that. Blessed are, blessed are those that can believe in Jesus even if they never live in a mansion or they never get another new job. They stay at the same job for the rest of their, uh, the, for the rest of their working, you know, working uh, years. Blessed are those that can believe in Jesus, even if their surroundings look the same, even if they never get out of this town and they remain in this town. Blessed are those that can believe in Jesus, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situations, regardless of the trials, regardless of all the different ups and downs. Church, here's our warning. It was the physical that literally convinced Thomas that Jesus was alive, not alive, and then alive again. That's why he said, blessed are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but have believed me in their hearts. We cannot be walking by sight. You got to walk by faith. If you if you're going to if you if you place trust and confidence in Jesus, it's not about so much going to church every day. It's not so much about about memorizing every song and every hymnal and all these different things. Literally. Relationship with Jesus is about trusting in Jesus. And Lindsay, what is trusting in Jesus? Trusting that you can, you, can, you can lean on him. You can rely on him. And guess what? When you struggle to rely on him, when you struggle to lean, go, go look at his body of work. Go, go remind yourself of his body of work. I was telling Kelsey the other day, I, I, have, a, I have a playlist on my phone. And I have several playlists on my phone. And one, one of them is called Faith for the Season. I love it because, you know, there's sometimes where, I, like, I just get super down and I have the, I'll go to that playlist and I have certain notes in there of why I put that song in there, reminding me of what I was going through in the moment when I heard the song. And then I remembered, wait, that, I'm no longer in that season anymore. 
I'm in a new season. I, I, I made it out of there. And then, you know, faith rises up, and I'm like, okay, God, well, if you brought me out of that, what I got going on right now, oh, you, oh you, you're going to bring me out of this. We sang it earlier, but guess what? He's never failed, and he's not starting with the person that you see in the mirror. He has never failed. Look at his body of work. Check his records, church. Check his records. Check what he's done. He has never failed. Not no, not one person. And he is not in the business of starting with you. I don't care what your past looks like. I don't care what people have said about you. I don't care of all the mistakes that you have made. He is not letting you go. He's not letting you slip under. He's not forgetting about you. He's not ever not going to take care of you. You are the one sheep that he will forsake 99 for. You are the one that he will run from the edge of the road all the way down and wrap his arms arms around you are the one that he will call out of the boat and tell a whole storm to be quiet so you can hear him you are the one that he loves you are the one that he stretched those arms wide my nanny says that that you are loved with arms stretched wide you are the one church you are the beloved of God and guess what if you can believe this regardless if you can see it if you can believe this regardless of what your wallet says if you can believe this regardless of what your cars look like if you can believe this regardless if you got everybody calling your phone or nobody calling your phone if you can believe this you are blessed 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 is anybody blessed this morning is anybody blessed this morning Lindsay I don't know if I'm blessed Lindsay I don't know if I'm blessed because you don't know what I'm going through yeah you know what I don't but I'm pretty sure guess what Jesus does It's not a pretty sure. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Because Jesus wasn't even in the room when Thomas called him out and said, no, he ain't real. If it, and guess what? If he was real, I got to see his, I got to see it. I got to see his body of work if he's not, if he's real. Jesus wasn't even in the room, but Jesus was aware. You know why? Because he's aware of the state of your heart. You may feel like you're far from God, but guess what? That's, that's on your end, but on his end, he's right there. On his end, he's right there. Yeah, yesterday when I got home, literally I was super tired. Kelsey and Keenan are out at the ballpark, and Kellen's, he's after me to play this little game that he plays at school to the point he's following me around. At one point, I go upstairs because I think I'm by myself. I go upstairs, about to change. I get ready to take my shirt off, and I look, and he's around. I say, hey, what are you doing? He said, I just want to be with you. I'm like, oh, okay. So he just sits down there. Sit, crisscross out, just sits while I'm changing clothes. I'm like, oh, oh, so uh, what are we doing? I'm just going to sit right here. Why? He said, I just want to be with you. You just want to be with daddy. But, but what, what, what if daddy don't feel like, it don't matter. In his mind, he just, he wants to be with his father. Dude, how, how bad do you want to be with God? What, what, if, what if God's not doing anything extraordinary? Because in that moment, I wasn't giving him a snack. I wasn't taking him to Disney World. I wasn't opening the little game for him to play. I was just doing mundane stuff. What if God is, is doing mundane stuff? Are you still desire? Are you still choosing to be close with him? And guess what? Spoiler alert, God doesn't do anything mundane. There's nothing that's mundane about what God does. You look at his body of work, there's nothing extra. I mean, the man split two, he split waters. He literally, on the day where everybody was resting and grieving, he was in the ground working. And to sit in heaven, you think it would be finished? Yeah, it's finished, but at the same time, he's still interceding for you. He's still working. Still sitting in heaven. 
while his feet, uh, the earth is his footstool, but at the same time, his home is right in here. What kind of God can do that, Jesus? Why would God do that? Because he wants to be with us. I know I've heard ministers say, well, Lindsay, you don't need to focus so much on, on us. You don't need to fo- we need to focus on God. God's focus was you. Lizzie, how do you know that? Because he literally came down on earth, lived our life to the point of death on the cross. Not because he's like, I ain't got nothing else to do. No, I want them to be one with me again. John chapter 17 literally says that, Lord, I've done what you've told me to do. Now I've made your name known. Now make them one as we are one. So his desire is for you to be one. So in those moments when you don't feel like, Lord, I feel like I'm not one with you. I feel like I'm far away from you. That's when he does his work best. See, the Holy Spirit reminds us, hey, hey, no, no, no. That feeling, it's false. It's false evidence appearing real. I'm here with you. I'm walking with you. I'm talking with you. I'm, I'm helping you parent your kids. I'm helping you in this marriage. I'm helping you on your job. I'm helping you in your finances. I'm helping you pump gas into your vehicle. I'm helping you fold clothes. I'm helping you wash dishes. I'm helping you do all these different things. He's interested in every aspect of your life. Well, Lindsay, those, those are mundane things. Do you think you can fold clothes without the Lord? You can't. You think you can, you think you can pump gas in your vehicle? You can't. You can't do it without the Lord. You think, you think it's just, you know, your hard, I'm going to break some, I'm going to hurt some people. You think it's your hard-earned, your hard-earned sweat and toil that, that is allowing you to buy the groceries? No. Jesus has provided long ago the way for people that needed certain supplies to be in demand and your job provide the supplies to the demand and they, they hire you with the favor of God and now you work there and you gain a check. You think, it's, you think it's by your efforts that you have what you have in life or is it by the master of the universe? Creating ways, creating people creating things, creating opportunities, creating whatever it is that his people need. Question is, can you believe him even when you can't see him? Can you fully trust him? Can you, can you, are, are we going to be like Thomas that have that conditional? Okay, well, I, I feel you now, Lord. Oh, Lord, I felt you this Sunday, so I know you're real. And guess what? Pretty soon we're going to end service, and, now, and then you're left to, okay, well, am I going to hold on to what I felt Sunday? Or, I'm, or am I going to go check the body of work? And remind myself of what he's been doing. Not what he's done, but what he's been doing. See, what he's done makes it seem like he's, he's done. There's no more, but what he's been doing makes it seem like he's still working. And last time I checked church, he is still working in you. Still working on you. Still transforming, still renewing. For the rest of your life, he will continue to renew you if you allow him. For the rest of your life, he will continue to transform your mind if you allow him. For the rest of your life, for the rest of your life. Somebody say, for the rest of my life. John B. Key said it best. For the rest of my life, I'll serve him. For the rest of my life, I'll praise him. For the rest of my life. Let that be your declaration. For the rest of my life, Lord, I will trust you even when I can't see you. Lord, I'll trust you even when I can't feel you. Lord, I'll trust you. I will trust you. I will believe that you can move the immovable. I will believe that you can break the unbreakable, Lord. I will believe, Lord, if you said it. If you said it, Lord. 
You ever been around certain people that, you know, like that you, you, they have, because of their body of work, you've got so much confidence and trust in them that if they said, okay, I'm going to get this done for you. Oh, oh, all right, yeah. The same should be said with God. Lord, you know what? You said you was going to take care of me. Okay, I believe it. Lord, you said you was going to bring somebody in my life. Okay, I believe it. Lord, you said that, Lord, you brought, you gave me these blessings, these little blessings. Okay, Lord, I believe you're going to, you're going to, you're going to keep me mentally healthy. You're going to keep me emotionally healthy. And you're going to help me do what I need to do. What, what, what is it that you've chosen to cover yourselves up with? I encourage you, remove those walls. Allow Jesus to remove those walls. Allow Jesus to do what he does best. Give Jesus the space and opportunity for him to do what he does best in your life. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, thank you so much for today.